0: Uh, did you come expecting today? I felt like I needed to ask you that. And if you didn't, it's not too late. You can start now, right? Amen. Well, if you'll notice anything new, the stage looks different. We got new sound systems. Lots been going on since we've been gone, so I think we should give a round of applause just for all the people that have worked really hard. Thank you. Thank you for your hard work. So we know that God inhabits the praises of his people right? So if he he inhabits our praises as we go into the tithes and offerings, which we praise God with, that means that God inhabits our finances. Did you catch that? We want him to inhabit every area of our life. So if you're going to give today, uh, for those who are in person, uh, when you leave at the end of the service, it's just right by the back door. And those who are watching on live stream, uh, you can give at wcf.ca. Uh, or on our WCF app. So let's pray for the tithe. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for our seed that we are trusting you with. We thank you that when we plant it into the ground that it grows into something bigger than what was put in. And God, we trust you that as you meet our every need, that it's just not for us to have lots of, but it's for us to give to those who are around us who are also in need. So we trust you and we position our heart before you generously with joy and expectation, knowing that you are always with us and that you are gonna take care of our every need. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're continuing the series on the Apostles' Creed. This week, we're doing the person of Jesus as the Son of God. So let's honor and welcome Pastor RJ.
1: Good morning, church. How's everyone doing today? So good to be back together with people in the room. Trust me on this. It's way better talking to people instead of walls. (laughs) So we have, we've been working on uh, the Apostles' Creed, and one of the reasons that we went into this series is when I look around at the culture, there's a real war going on for truth. Even in churches, people are having a hard time establishing what is truth, and we know as Christians that we can take our truth based on what God's Word has to say the Bible. and and that is the the primary source of truth in the christian faith and what we have to look at and what we have to be careful of is just because someone stands up and teaches doctrine doesn't mean it's sound doctrine just because someone says it doesn't mean it's truth in fact i'm seeing more and more that if people talk about a lie enough eventually people believe it is truth whether that's in the church or in the world that can happen anywhere if we're not careful so we as Christians have to be really paying attention to this. So we started last week with, we believe in God the Father, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. That's the Apostles' Creed and uh, the beginning of it. And then today we're gonna move on or continue on the Creed with, and in Jesus Christ His only Son our Lord. And please keep in mind, creeds are these concise statements of faith and belief that were created by the early church fathers or by our early church uh, Christians. And what happens is they have, they've come up with these statements that are scripturally accurate and biblically accurate. And I think it's really important that you know why you believe what you believe and you know what you believe. Amen. And I was actually, I was, I was sharing with, with Mike um, a little bit earlier today. When I was kind of researching this a little bit, sometimes when I'm teaching on something, I kind of like to look what people are talking about. There's not a lot of people talking about Jesus the Son of God right now not hearing a lot of messages on that. If you Google Jesus, the Son of God, there's not a lot of new messages coming out on this. And some of the messages that are coming out on this is people trying to recreate this conversation about is Jesus really the Son of God and maybe he isn't really God's son and and they're going into false doctrine, going against what the Word of God teaches. And I think that that's a dangerous place. So today we're gonna have a conversation about Jesus Christ, the Son of God and I want to show you throughout history there's many who said that he was who he said he was in fact about 40 times the Bible refers to him as the son of God I've got all 40 of those in the message for sure so I hope you're ready to be here a long time today because I'm excited to have people back so you know but how many know we're in the middle of a, a time of prayer and fasting for for our church where we're seeking God on behalf of our our country and our nation and and for our families how are you doing on your fast? Some are doing better than others. There's no condemnation when you're, when you're fasting. If you fall off, you just get back on. You make a commitment, you get back in. You know, uh, what was that movie um, where the, the boxer is on the sideline with his coach and He says, "Hey, what's happened out there?" He goes, "He's winning. There's the three of them." So what does his coach say? Hit the one in the middle. If you're feeling a little struggle with the fast, just get back on track. Hit the one in the middle. Go right back to it. But Jesus is talking about this in Matthew 4. Uh, Then Jesus was led of the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and nights he fasted and became very hungry, you think? I mean, some of you, we talk to you, and every four hours you're hungry. (laughs) Some people have a hard time going 40 minutes without food. You bring your snacks to church. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God. Now, when the devil's mouth is moving, what are you hearing? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, of course, he's going to challenge truth, right? So, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. You know, the funny thing about that story is, or or this account, it was well within Jesus' ability to turn stones into bread so we could have something to eat. (laughs) But then satan's trying to twist the scriptures a little bit with jesus who is the word of god think about that for a second how's that going to work out for satan jesus is the word (laughs) he became flesh the bible talks about him he's the living expression of God's revelation to mankind. So anyway, Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, jump off, the scriptures say, now the devil's trying to make the scriptures work for, for himself. He will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. So Jesus again frames it properly. The scriptures say you must not test the Lord your God. So no jumping off buildings and expecting the angels to catch you. (laughs) Yeah, gravity. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory and said, I'll give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Then Jesus is, I'm done now. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil went away and the angels came to take care of Jesus. Now the interesting thing about that last temptation is the earth is the Lord's, he created it. It doesn't belong to Satan, it belongs to God. He made it. I mean, how many of you have built a house and then someone else kicked you out and said, Nope, my house now? There's a couple things here. The devil knew who Jesus was. That's why he was trying to challenge Jesus and his identity when he's here on earth. Why is it he always tempts you when you're weak? I mean, how many of you are experiencing great temptation right this very second when you're here with the community of believers? except for the odd person on their phone that's tempted to check out their Snapchat account and see how many likes they got on the Instagram post this morning. How much temptation are you experiencing right this second? Be real. Why? You're with the community believers. You're strong. You're all together. It's going to be really hard to get into sin while you're sitting in church. I'm sure it happens. But see, when you're home tonight and you're by yourself and you're alone and your thoughts start wandering, isn't that when the enemy tries to get us when we're isolated and alone? And then, of course, Satan likes to harass the guy who hasn't eaten in 40 days. Then the devil always tries to question what God has established as truth. That's the next thing he likes to do. I mean, how many of you ever thought, oh, I must not be a good Christian, or I'm not really a Christian? None of you ever thought that? Uh, yeah, someone at first service called it and said, a lot of liars in here today. But here's my question. How many times before you were a Christian did you ever wake up and say, I guess I'm not a Christian? Like, how many times did the devil challenge you in your faith before you were in faith? If he's challenging you in faith, there's a good indication you're probably in faith. Have you ever thought you had no purpose, but then we know that God has created us for a purpose? Or have you ever thought that your struggle with sin and self-will and selfish ambition is any different than anyone else's and it's going to make you a hypocrite because you struggle sometimes? I think it's common to all believers to be in the struggle. Whether you've been around a short time or a long time, there's a struggle. You're in a world, a fallen sinful world. Now, we know that the devil knew who Jesus was. But let's go to Luke 1.32. got lots of scripture for you today. It's a doctrinal lesson. And, and you know, it says in Luke 1.32, He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, his kingdom will never end. This is a conversation Gabriel's having with Mary, and then Mary asked the angel, "How can this happen? I'm a virgin?" The angel replied, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called, he will be called the Son of God." You want to know something? Not only did the devil know who Jesus was, the angels knew who Jesus was. And when he was born, they were rejoicing in the heavens, giving praise and glory to him because they knew that he was the son of God. The devil knew he was the son of God. The angels knew he was the son of God. And if you keep reading the Magnificat, Mary's song in verses 46 to 55, you know, you'd quickly realize, you know, we sing about it. Mary, did you know? Yep, she knew. Mary knew he was the son of God. Man, let me tell you, Luke 4, 41 Many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command, shouting, You're the Son of God! But because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. The demons knew who Jesus was. They were terrified. Hey, Jesus, what are you doing? You're not, it's, are you tormenting us before the time of torment? Like, what are you doing here? Years ago, I had a friend. Um, his, he's still my friend, but he works in a different job, but he used to service the pool tables in the bars. So if someone stole the eight ball, he'd have to, he'd get a call from the bar owner. He'd have to bring an eight ball by or, you know, the bowling machines and stuff. And so I would occasionally go hang out with him and we'd, we'd get our Tim Hortons team. We'd drive around town. And, and I can remember I'd walk into the bars with him while he'd go service the equipment. I'd just be kind of standing there observing. And then people from the church would come over and they'd be like, Pastor Archie, what are you doing here? I got a better question. What are you doing here? Oh, this, this isn't mine. It's, it's, it's his. <laughs> the demons knew who Jesus was. <laughs> John chapter 1, verse 29 to 34. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who's far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I've been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testified that he's the chosen one of God. John the Baptist knew that Jesus was the son of god So how are we doing so far? The devil knew. The angels knew. Demons. Mary knew. The demons knew. John the Baptist knew. Are we starting to get some proof here that maybe Jesus was the son of god? But wait, there's more. Matthew 3:16 and 17. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. I'm reading it from a different account. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Pretty sure God the Father knew who his son was. And you know, one of the things that we teach in Christianity and the, we'll, we'll develop this a little bit further in another lesson, but water baptism is something that happens. See, God has called men and women to repent of their sin. Right? Jesus came to earth he lived a sinless life and you got to remember he was deity still is but he's God so therefore because he was deity he was qualified to go on the cross and pay your sin debt because he was sinless without sin and because he was qualified to die for you therefore he was a sacrifice for your sin for my sin so the first thing God asks us to do is to repent of our sin. We turn from our life of sin. We surrender our life to him. He takes us out of the kingdom of darkness, puts us in the kingdom of light. This is salvation where we, where we leave our past life and we take on our new life and our new identity with Christ. And then that's, that's what happens in our heart. But see, what God wants us to do is publicly profess Jesus to those around us. He wants us to make a public declaration to the world system, hey, I am a Christian, and I want to live my life as an image bearer. I want to live my life as someone made in the image of God. I want to be someone who reflects God's character to the people around me. And see, this is, this is why people get baptized. They make a public profession of their faith to others in front of others. And then symbolically, they take their past life of sin and they leave it in the water like Jesus won in the grave. And then they come up out of the water just like Jesus came out of the grave. This is the power in baptism. And oh, by the way, you leave your guilty conscience in the water. And all the shame of your past. Now, in Matthew 16, verses 15 and 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says, hey guys, he asked him, he said, but who do you say that I am? Because some people thought he was Elijah come again, and some people thought this, and some people thought that, but Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah. There we go again, the son of the living God. Peter knew who Jesus was. The apostles knew, the disciples knew, the tw- they knew who he was. They knew he was the son of God. In John 17, lots of scripture doctrine why do we believe this this is what the bible says this is truth after saying all these things jesus looked up to heaven and said father the hours come glorify your son so he can give glory back to you for you've given him authority over everyone that's you and me too he gives eternal life to each one you uh, you have given him and this is the way to have eternal life to know you the only true god and jesus christ the one you sent to earth I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Can I tell you something? Jesus knew he was the Son of God. Jesus knew who he was. He didn't have an identity crisis. He knew he was the Son of the Father. He understood the glory that they walked in together before he emptied himself so that he could come to earth. He knew that. Isaiah 43, very interesting verse 25. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Translation. I, only I, am He who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. This is God talking. You know what that tells me? Who forgives sins? Who has the power to forgive your sins? Who can remove your sin debt? Yeah. Only God. Now watch. Let's go to Mark 2. And this is where they got confused verse 5 seeing their faith jesus said to the paralyzed man and you know this paralyzed guy comes in front of jesus and he says my child your sins are forgiven now all the religious leaders the teachers of the law at that time or some of them that were sitting there they thought to themselves everyone say thought did they speak it out loud they thought to themselves what is he saying this is blasphemy only God can forgive sins because you got to remember they knew the Old Testament they knew Isaiah that I just read to you that only God can forgive sins and now Jesus is saying your sins are forgiven so who is this man in their opinion that can forgive sins now I want you to catch this Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking he knew their thoughts now, how many of you think you know what someone else is thinking? You think you thought you knew what someone else was thinking? Husbands and wives, you ever think you know what your husband or wife is thinking? Parents and children, you ever think you know what your parents or children are thinking? You ever think you know? Like, think about that for a second. We create narrative sometimes because we think we know what people are thinking. In this case, it says Jesus knew their thoughts. (laughs) So he called them on it and he asked them. I love it. Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked through the stunned onlookers. I don't know about you, but if there's a paralyzed guy gar- there, and you say, stand up, pick up your mat, that will get someone's attention, wouldn't it? Yeah. How many say that would get your attention? Yeah. Would get your attention? Yeah. yeah. Jesus got their attention. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Yeah, that's on it. it's something we see every day. Maybe in the future. But the teachers of religious law, maybe they knew, maybe they couldn't acknowledge, but they certainly viewed him as a threat. I think they knew and just couldn't. Couldn't deal with the fact that maybe he was who he said he was. Because then their whole system of worship and their whole religion would fall apart if Jesus really was the son of God. There's another guy in Acts chapter 9. His name is Saul. He's on the way to this city called Damascus. He's going to persecute the saints, the the true Christians, the true Christ followers. What's he going to do? Put some of them in prison. And, you know, and Paul's walking on the road. All of a sudden, he encounters this Jesus, the son of God. He gets knocked off his horse. There's a bright light. He's blinded. Someone has to come and lift the scales off his eyes by praying for him. You know, Paul figured it out. He knew, doesn't it say in Acts 9, 20, and immediately he, who, Paul, began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying he is indeed the son of God. Paul figured it out. Boy, did he do an about face. Real quick. Real quick. Some of you need to have trust and faith that God is not limited in his power and scope of authority, even in our land, when sometimes people do things that you're not happy about. We have to have faith and confidence. In Mark 9, verses 2 to 8, some of you remember the term transfiguration, or you've read about the transfiguration. Transfiguration. So it's picking up in verse 2. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, the inner circle. He led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Think about that. You go up to the mountain with your teacher, and all of a sudden he turns into and transforms into the glory of God. And then even better, it says, as far whiter than earthly bleach could ever make him, then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Love it. Two guys from ancient history suddenly appear and they're talking to Jesus, who's radiating forth the glory of God in this dazzling white. Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, it's wonderful us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials. Can we build three shrines? One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah? He said this because he didn't know what else to say, for they were all terrified. Let me suggest to you if you're terrified, just don't talk. Because <laughs> Peter wasn't helping himself. Better to say nothing than open your mouth and let people know. know? (laughs) Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son, listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, those Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus with them. I mean, come on, even mysterious voices from clouds knew that Jesus was the son of God. just messing with you. God the Father knew who his son was, and he spoke out of the cloud that Jesus was his son. Are you catching this? The devil knew. The angels knew, Mary knew, the demons knew, the disciples knew, Paul knew, God knew, Jesus knew. Are we catching this? In John 20, 31, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. That's a lot of witnesses, don't you think? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do we believe Jesus is the Son of God? That's a question for us today. And you know, the challenge in the culture is there's lots of people that challenge that statement. That's why we have a creed that talks about this is our belief. Jesus is the Son of God. Anyone that says different In some cases, they say, let him be accursed or let him be an anthem. You can't deny the person in the work of Christ and call yourself a Christian. Oh, split screen. Jesus is Lord is the next part of the creed. Okay, I want to work through a couple more scriptures with you because we're talking about doctrine, which we base on the word of God, which is established truth. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him a name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Are we starting to understand that you can acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, the Son of God, in this life. Or you will in the next, but it'll be a different conversation. And see, people fail to realize that this life is only the temporary part of your existence. The real existence is eternity that goes on forever. But how many are short-sighted and they're trying to get what they want in this life, not realizing that they're forsaking what God has for them in the next. We were created to live forever, not just for 100, 120 years here on earth, if you do good. This is just the temporary life. But if Jesus is your Lord, then you need to understand something, that title Lord, while it does have a a connotation of reverence and respect, it's so much more than that. It has to do with him being your master. It has to do with him having all authority and you giving him your allegiance and you submitting your life to his wishes and his commands. You know, in the movies, the cartoons, whatever, you find the little lamp and you rub it and a genie comes out and says, your wish is my command master. the truth is there was an exchange that took place at the cross when jesus shed his blood he gave his life so that we could have life he took away the penalty of death and separation from god for all of us but see really our approach to him as our master is simply yes lord what would you like how can i obey you and see he's given us some commands in the scriptures on how he wants us to live our lives, and we're supposed to be image bearers, people that reflect him and his glory to the culture around us. The truth is, if you're walking around afraid right now, you're not reflecting Christ because there's no fear in love. And he is love. 1 Corinthians 8, verses 5 and 6 There may be so-called gods both in heaven and on earth, and some people actually worship many gods and many lords, but for us, there's one God in the Father by whom all things were created and for whom we live. And there's one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created and through whom we live. See, last week we talked about the creator God, but see, he spoke it, Jesus brought it into existence. It was through Christ that he holds all things together. And that leads me to Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. Did it say some of the commands? So it tells me that cafeteria Christianity doesn't work because you can't just say, well, I like these commands, but not these ones. You know, I talk to people and they're like, you know, oh, I love God's commands about not lying and telling the truth. And, but this whole thing about fornication and adultery, I, I don't know if that's for today. That's so dated. That's so ancient. You can't pick and choose the commands you follow. You either follow all of them or you're wasting your time follow none of them. But your choice always produces, well, blessing or cursing, consequence. So we teach them to obey the commands and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That leads me to my final thoughts for this morning before I, we do communion together and I ask Stephen to come back up and pray over everyone. But you see as we're starting to reopen the church now because you've endured some time of separation and isolation and that's been hard on many people I understand but we're gathering again in community we're coming back together but one of the things that happens is you lose some of the momentum that you have and people get disconnected and people find out that their area of service was not their area of passion so we know that as the body of Christ, we do things together. Everyone say together. And there's, there's roles and there's positions and there's places for every person to function within the body of Christ. And when everyone contributes their role, we get the work done and we can grow the kingdom of God. So right now, we're finding ourselves a little bit short with some prayer leaders. We're finding ourselves a little bit short with some ushers. We're finding ourselves a little bit short with some kids' church volunteers, so, you know, I don't want you to just sign up for something because it's filling a position because the truth is if you don't really like kids, you probably shouldn't be serving in kids church. <laughs> but if you love children and you want to invest in the generations, then that's a great opportunity for you to make a difference. You know, and and you know, we we stream prayer. Some of you don't even know that we stream prayer 5 days a week from 12 to 1. And then you can go watch it on YouTube later, so if you don't get home till 6 and that's when you have an hour and you want to stream with us, you're welcome to do that. And join with us and pray, because I think I taught about four or five weeks ago, but we need to pray like we've never prayed before in this day and age that we live in. So I want to encourage you, prayerfully seek God. But call our office if it's something that you feel that you can engage with us in, whether you're leading in prayer and don't worry. We don't just throw you on the stage and say here go we'll partner you with someone that's done it and they'll teach you a little bit and show you how we do it same with kids church same with ushers I know there's a few other ministry positions I'll highlight those as time goes on but I'm just saying as we're coming back together we need people to step up into the different roles and the different positions and maybe you're new here and you're saying hey where can I fit in where can I belong well first thing is what's your passion because if you like music, I certainly don't want to put you in accounting. <laughs> yeah. And if you like people, I don't want to put you isolated in a room all by yourself, right? Like We want to we put people where, where their passion is. So I encourage all of you, now let's stand together. Father, I thank you for the bread on our hands. And I thank you that your body was broken for me. For my friends that are listening today, it was really broken for all of humanity. And at the cross, you made a way for all of us to know God and the power of the resurrection. Lord, I thank you that today we can confidently say that Jesus is our Lord. And we can acknowledge that he is the Son of God and he is who he said he was and that the power of God can be released in our lives as we put our faith and our hope and our confidence and our trust in him. So Lord, in our hearts today, we lay down those things that are not from you and we take up your nature, your goodness, your love. We turn from our sinfulness and we our lives to you. Father, I thank you that in your brokenness, you made a way of wholeness and that no plague will come near our household. And as we receive the bread today, we receive healing, mind, body, and spirit in the name of Jesus. You know, the cup, the blood of the new covenant, really the blood of Jesus made so much of a way for us And it's powerful and it'll never lose its power. And in Christ, it's really applied to our life. So Father, as Christians, image bearers, those who are under the blood, to use that term, I thank you today that as we, your people, cry out to you, Father, as we release unforgiveness and bitterness, as we lay aside our sin and we take on nature we take up our cross and we choose to obey you as our Lord our commander our master father we look to you the giver of life and father I thank you that corporately as a body that your glory will be revealed to your church so I ask right now that you release Every man, woman, and child, at the sound of my voice, from the oppression of the enemy, that we break the curse off of their lives this day. That comes from sin and from the law. And Lord, this day, there's total freedom in Christ. And we don't have to stay slave to sin, but we can be free in Christ. In the name of Jesus. I will look forward to seeing all of you here live on wednesday nights and stephen's going to come up and pray over all of you right now a blessing god bless you
0: hello again so uh pastor Argy and i didn't actually coordinate but his last scripture of his message was the scripture that I'm, I'm praying over all of you so god is good so it's matthew 28 verse 19 and 20. I'm actually going to read it in the Amplified because there's some key things that I think we need to hear and pray for. So It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations in brackets, which I think is applicable for us because we hear go make disciples of all nations. We go, oh, I can't do that in my community. But it says right here, help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words, which is what we can do baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you and know that I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, which means in every moment, regardless of circumstance and on every occasion, even to the end of the age. So Father, I thank you that as we are sent forth into our communities, that you are with us in every moment, in every circumstance, circumstance, as we teach people to know you and to obey what you have commanded us to do, Lord. So I thank you for a rich blessing over each person and that we are mindful of you and your work as we go forth to love and extend mercy and grace to our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessings, church. Have a great week.